I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And, and we're, we're the, the sirens. sirens. Today we're discussing the 1947 film The Bishop's Wife, starring Cary Grant, Loretta Young, and David Niven. In it, an Episcopal bishop, Henry, has been working for months on the plans for an elaborate new cathedral, which he hopes will be paid for primarily by a wealthy widow. He is losing sight of his family and of why he became a clergyman in the first place. He prays for help and an angel named Dudley is sent to assist him. Dudley does help everyone he meets, but not necessarily in the way they would have preferred. With the exception of Henry, everyone loves him and Dudley becomes increasingly close with Julia, Henry's wife. Henry be begins to believe that Dudley is there to replace him both at work and in his family's affections. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say the whole time I was like, mm, yes, if angels do exist, they look exactly like Karen Grant. Oh my gosh, that chin cleft. Oh, heavenly. It was, it was so prominent in this movie. <laughs> because of his angel glares, yes. Yeah. And Hillary, had you seen this movie before? I never had, no. Oh my had you? gosh. Uh, yeah, I've many times. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also seen the remake, The Preacher's Wife with Denzel Washington oh, yeah. and Whitney Houston, which is what? also good. Okay, I was I was thinking I got to watch that one next. So. Um, so I do have some trivia about this movie. Okay. Famously, well, after two weeks of shooting, Sam Goldwyn hated the early rushes, fired the original director and hired Henry Coster scrapped the script, ordered all the sets to be completely altered, and started all over again at a cost said to be $900,000. Sure. This is the most famous piece of trivia I know about this movie. Originally, Cary Grant played the bishop and David Niven, the angel. Oh. And uh, when the original director left the film... Coster replaced him and viewed what had been shot so far and realized that the two were in the wrong roles. And then he had to convince them to switch the roles. What? Cary Grant actually wanted to be the bishop because I think because it was the title role. Mm -hmm. You know, the angel isn't actually in the title of the movie. Yeah. Um, but he eventually accepted the change. Um, and this is one of the most widely praised roles of his career which huh. I think makes sense yeah. <laughs> so at one point in the movie Henry and Julia are ready to make parish calls and Henry says to Julia we go first to the Trubshaws um, and this is actually an example of David Niven trying to mention the name of his friend Michael Trubshaw in every movie he made <laughs> so if if anyone uh, has the inclination, <laughs> you could watch his whole catalog and check all of his movies for that. Oh my God, I love that. And it's funny because when he said that in the movie, I remember thinking like, that's not really a blue blood name. Like usually if it's like they're visiting rich people, that would be something that you would recognize, but it was not. So I guess that's why. <laughs> Um, in the skating scene, even though Cary Grant wanted to do his own stunts, they used a double in the long shots, um, wearing a mask with Cary Grant's features. What? And they also used one for Loretta Young. Wearing a mask? Yeah, that's kind of creepy, right? 
I mean, I guess I, I, I was watching it going, well, clearly this is a stunt, stunt double, but it's amazing that they found an excellent skater who looks like Cary Grant, but. Sure. No, it was a creepy mask. (laughs) And also, you probably noticed this, um, but there's connections between this movie and It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Also a Christmas movie. But Carolyn Grimes, who plays Debbie in this movie, played Zuzu in It's a Wonderful Life. And Robert Anderson played the young George Bailey. And he was in the snowball fighting scene in this one huh no all i noticed was that the woman who plays mrs hamilton plays the mean mother in now voyager oh (laughs) yeah i guess all they got all these um character actors and you know minor roles to to be shared a lot (laughs) i guess it's good that they all had some jobs Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, and isn't this, uh, we, I watched this movie with my mom and my aunt um, and we had like a nice Burgermeister family movie night. <laughs> and we were saying the guy who plays the professor, is he the same guy who plays Santa in Miracle on 34th Street or is that someone else? Oh, I don't know. Because that's what I thought, but then, of course, I should have looked it up before. (laughs) (laughs) Now, who did you bio for this movie? So I bioed Loretta Young, and I think this was the first movie of hers that we, or that we watched for the podcast. Um, She was born uh, Gretchen Young, actually, in Salt Lake City, Utah, and when she was two years old, her parents separated, and uh, soon after that, her her mother moved the family to Hollywood. She and her sisters all worked as child actresses. Uh, she herself was the most successful of the three of them. Her very first role in film uh, was at the age of two or three in the silent film Sweet Kitty Bel-Airs. She signed a contract as a child to an agent who was the husband and manager of actress Colleen Moore, who saw the, her potential early on. And it was this actress, Colleen Moore, who renamed her Loretta which was the name of her favorite doll. She first was billed as Loretta Young in 1928 in the movie, The Whip Woman. The, the same year she co-starred with Lon Chaney in the MGM film, Laugh Clown Laugh. And that year she was named one of the Wampus baby stars. She like was very successful as a child actress. Wow. Um, she, she worked a lot um, in the 30s and into the 40s. And during World War II, she made the movie Ladies Courageous. Uh, which was a fictionalized story of the Women's Auxiliary Ferrying Squadron. She made as many as eight movies a year, apparently. And the ones in the 40s, um, including this movie, were the best remembered of her career. In 1947, she won an Oscar for her performance in the movie The Farmer's Daughter. Uh, It was a political comedy that required her to learn a Swedish accent. And fun fact, Ruth Roberts... Uh, a voice coach who coached Ingrid Bergman to lose her Swedish accent actually taught Loretta Young how to gain one. <laughs> really? you, could, you could go either way with the accents. That's right. And so in 1947, she also starred, of course, in The Bishop's Wife. The next, or in 1949, she got another Academy Award for the movie Come to the Stable. Um, and in 1953, she appeared in her last theatrical film, It Happens Every Thursday, which was about a couple, a New York couple who moves to California to take over a struggling weekly newspaper. She 
ended up leaving film to focus on television. She hosted and starred in a half hour anthology television series that was originally called Letter to Loretta. And it was soon retitled The Loretta Young Show. Very uh, imaginative titles. It ran from 1953 to 1961, and she won three Emmy Awards for the program. She did a lot of additional television work um, in the 60s. And in 1988, she received the Women in Film Crystal Award for Outstanding Women who, through their endurance and excellence for their work, helped expand the roles of women in the entertainment industry. She has two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one for her work in television and the other for her work in film. Just, I wanted to note just a a couple of personal uh, pieces of information. She had three children. The story of one of them is a little bit pretty tragic, I think. Um, She and Clark Gable were romantic leads in the 1935 20th century picture film, The Call of the Wild. uh, Loretta Young at the time was 22 years old and Clark Gable was 34 and married um, to another woman during the filming. Loretta Young became pregnant by Gable and um, because of her like personal beliefs, she felt like she couldn't get an abortion. She didn't really know what else to do. So she decided to construct a very elaborate ruse, go into hiding and pass her own child off as being adopted. Um, oh my gosh. Which like apparently no one in Hollywood really believed because her daughter looked so much like Clark Gable, but she didn't actually tell her own daughter the truth until she was an adult. And it was apparently very later in life, Loretta Young like learned what the concept of date rape was. And she was like, oh, this is what happened to me. Oh my God. So wait, I've, I've heard that story and I didn't realize that that was her, but that's awful. And I've heard that. I remember we covered... Clark Gable in like a much earlier episode but I remember that about him like that he was supposed to be like aggressive and yeah I mean pretty much like his characters of Clark Gable that's awful Hill that's like I know pretty terrible uh she was an active member of the Hollywood Republican Committee which you know here and there um and she died of ovarian cancer on august 12th 2000 so i was gonna say not that long ago but it turns out that was 21 years ago i know it doesn't feel like it was that long ago (laughs) (laughs) wow oh my gosh that that is big i thought she was good in this movie yeah i think this is the first thing i've ever seen her in at least knowingly I don't really know her that well. And it like, if it sounds like she did a lot in television, which is prop, like I know yeah. early television, like a lot less than yeah. I did film. She was very expressive. I think it's kind of a shame that I feel like really her role was like super prominent in this movie, but it's almost like she's just a supporting actor. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. she, in a lot of ways, kind of, you know, she's as big of a role as Cary Grant is mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of getting into it a little bit, but I found myself at points going, who, who is supposed to be the main character in here? It's called The Bishop's Wife, but like Dudley is like, seems to have an outsized role. The movie isn't about Julia's motivations. Like, it's really about Henry's motivations. I struggled a little bit to like figure out who, who is the main character. 
It was interesting because, yeah, the title of the movie is The Bishop's Wife, but it doesn't feel like you really get inside her perspective very much. And that was the part of the movie I was the most curious about. Yeah. Like, particularly with her feelings towards Dudley. Yeah. Right, because all of a sudden it was like, oh, they, are they in love with each other? Yeah, so this is what, I mean, we're getting like way into it immediately, but this is what I wanted to ask you right away is like, what was your understanding of her feelings for him towards the end? I mean, it seemed like towards the end, they were like in love with each other all of a sudden. Like, whereas like for the first like 85% of the movie, they he she just was appreciating that like, there was a, you know, a man to like hang out with and like talk to and like spend an afternoon with. And, you know, it was very like friendly. And then all of a sudden they were in love with each other. Yes, obviously we all fall in love with Cary Grant. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Everyone in the entire movie was in love with Cary Grant except for Henry. But yeah. it did seem like, so when they have that conversation towards the end, like right before Dudley leaves, where yeah. he basically declares his feelings for her and she protests and says like, what are you saying? Uh, no, don't say anything. Like, you know, I've seen this movie many times and I think I used to interpret it as like, oh, she really doesn't have feelings for him. But Oh, no, I think she was like, she had feelings for him. And she was saying like, she was kind of being defensive because she's married to the bishop. So she can't have an affair with an angel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so our take on it was that she actually did have feelings for Dudley, but she knew she couldn't act on them. So she sent him away, basically. And I mean, if that's if that's the read on it, then it's kind of sad because yeah, like, is that a good resolution for her? Like you don't just fall in love with someone and then it's, you know, you forget about it. Well, but people do remember they forget about Dudley. Yeah, that's true. I just, I I feel like she still would have, I feel like it would have disrupted her relationship, even if she forgot about him. <laughs> I know. I, like subconsciously, she you would think that she would still know that she had been in love with an angel or someone else. But yeah, I don't know. And I thought it was like, an, it was a convenient trick that it was like, oh, you won't remember that I was here. Uh, it felt very tragic to me too. Like that's another way that this movie aligned with It's a Wonderful Life, that it felt like, you know, for a movie that in some ways was supposed to be light, that piece felt very dark. Like Dudley came into people's lives, did it, you know, form these relationships and then he can't actually continue any of them. And then everyone forgets him. Like, it was very sad. And he yeah. didn't seem like he wanted to be an angel anymore. He liked to neither be hot nor cold nor, you know, like that whole speech he made. He wanted to be able to, like, feel real yeah. things. Sounds like he's uh, itching for a career change. Yeah. The great resignation of the angels of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> And just the idea that like everyone you interact with will forget that you ever existed is is pretty dark. It's sad, yeah. <laughs> so we kind of jumped right to the end. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. I there I mean there were a lot of interesting themes in the movie like 
that in a lot of ways they were happier as a couple before Henry got this promotion and they were closer to their values. Yeah. It like it seemed like one of the themes was that, you know, being promoted and sort of having these exterior trappings of progress could actually take you away. Yeah. From your principles. And, you know, he was under a lot of pressure. But I also, the whole movie, I just kept thinking, like, just don't build the cathedral. <laughs> just yeah. don't, just don't do it. And like they, it said St. Timothy's was like an old church that was kind of falling apart. I was like, just fix up St. Timothy's. Yeah. Be in a neighborhood with like real people. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that, that's basically how it ends, right? Where uh, Mrs. Hamilton, like, like is convinced by the angel that she doesn't want to build a cathedral because she because she doesn't want to she isn't she never actually was in love with Mr. Hamilton so she ends up saying to the bishop like I still want to give you this money but I don't want you to use it to build a cathedral I want you to like use it to solve the world's problems no pressure solve the yeah. world's problems. <laughs> it was weird to me that that was how like being reminded of her first love like that that manifested as her being like oh I want to give you money but do whatever do something I don't know the leap from being reminded of her first love to this is what I want you to do with my money seemed big yeah I mean I don't know that character I guess that character was supposed to be the like villain the main like the like the obstacles personified for Henry but yeah it was a big leap she could have had a whole backstory. I I actually sort of admired how, like in the early scenes where she was just like, this meeting is over. And no, like, you're going to do this. I was like, I would like to command a room the way Mrs. Hamilton does and just be like so confident in like people doing what following, you say. Yeah, following orders. I, well, and like, I was like, oh, good. A 10 minute meeting. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's that like count me in <laughs> yeah I mean it was kind of interesting to me that the people who had the power here were all like elderly women <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was like finally some power for the older women <laughs> I mean if old women are gonna have power it's gonna be in a church yeah in a crumbling church <laughs> Um, I also found that I was like somewhat jealous of their lifestyle, which was like they, their house was gorgeous. Love the dog, Queenie the dog was, was great. Gonna, I have a note that's a sweet dog with four exclamation notes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they basically have a staff, like they have a cook and a maid, and Who's also he, a nanny. Yeah, and he has a secretary. Yes. Julia keeps running home like right before the daughter goes to bed is like I'll just pop up to say goodnight like she kind of her movements are in no way limited by like what's going on with the rest of the house like she can kind of just do whatever um so it felt like she actually had a lot of freedom like they were like well let's just go go here go there it seemed kind of nice (laughs) yeah (laughs) right she had yeah which I guess like goes back to like what we were talking about earlier about like be interesting to like see a version of this movie that's really from her perspective like I mean it because it, it made it seem like what she was really missing was the time with her husband 
Like that yeah. was that was the big gap, the big hole. Like otherwise, she was pretty happy. Yeah, I agree. And it seemed like she was losing respect for him. Mm-hmm. And that I think that can really hurt a relationship. Uh, did, what did you think of the clothes of this movie? I mean, I think it's funny that like she has that hat that she loves. Dudley like ends up wearing Henry's scarf that um, Matilda gave to the bishop. And Matilda's like, oh, you know, I gave that to the bishop and he never noticed it. And Dudley was like, well, he'll notice it when I wear it. And, <laughs> and sure enough, he wears it. And Dudley and Henry is like, that's my scarf. And so I think it's just interesting that like it actually played. There were like plot points around uh, accessories. Yeah. Yeah. And the hat was a big thing, too. Like, I thought it was sort of interesting that, you know, Dudley's like this representative of God. And he was like, just buy the hat if it's going to make you happy. And I was like, is that the that didn't feel like a God thing to me. But then also I liked it. I like that it was like, this is just like a small thing and why shouldn't you have like a little bit of joy? Yeah, I don't know. I loved that like the way Dudley like made things happen was that he kind of like furrowed his brow and like shook his head. And I mean, there was some like magic where he like flung his hands around a little bit to like cast a spell for lack of a better word. Like when he was decorating the tree or like reorganizing the cards (laughs) or whatever, but mostly he like controlled people by like, and controlled the situation by like frowning. (laughs) Yeah. And he was so charming. It was kind of like his superpower as an angel was just being charming and like having people care about what he thought it like it it reminded me a little bit of weirdly twilight and how (laughs) the way that the vampires were supposed to like attract people was just by being like really good looking and alluring (laughs) (laughs) and in this he was very good looking and charming. And I mean, it was less sinister, but like he basically made things happen just by being very attractive. Yeah, and charming. (laughs) Yeah, which, you know, maybe is what an angel would do. Who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) Who are we to say? Mere mortals, what an angel would do. (laughs) Did you like uh, the ice skating scene? Yeah, although like, I don't know what this says about me, but like they were in the cab driving and I was like oh they're gonna it's coming up that they're gonna do the ice skating scene and they get out and like my first thought was like how long does it actually would it actually like literally take them to get out of the cab go rent the skates get the (laughs) skates on and then like get on the ice like how much investing a lot of time in like getting out on the ice so like how long is this taking (laughs) and I got myself it's a movie about an angel Hillary (laughs) yeah I'm sure he could just like wink at someone and like magically skates would appear (laughs) I I love that I feel like I could just watch that scene if I was having a bad day and just be happy. Yeah. And there is something, I at least I think there's something very romantic about going ice skating with someone and them sort of being a good skater. Yeah. Well, and that they're like good skating, like rubs off on you and like you just become a better skater. I mean, I guess there's a metaphor in there about like relationship or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever that is. Um, <laughs> She even says later he was really good and he made her believe that she was good. Yes, yeah. So I think there was some of that, like his confidence rubbed off on other people. Yeah. Oh, Um, man, I want Cary Grant. Cary Grant's now a ghost, right? 
or an angel. Like he literally is a ghost or an angel. So he he literally is a ghost or an angel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, I mean, what you're saying is this is plausible. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, what I'm saying is that I like now I expect Harry Grant himself to like show up at my door and say, let's go ice skating. To which I will say, sure. Hundo <laughs> percent yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I would do it. I just don't, like, how could you not fall in love with him? And the other thing is... This is um, what I ask every movie. <laughs> in I mean... How, how do you not fall in love with him? This is really his ultimate role for yes. me. It's like, you know how actors are often the best when they're basically playing themselves? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is Cary Grant playing Cary Grant. Well, and it also has the added benefit of, like, I don't know, I feel like there's, like at least half of the roles that he's in that are romantic leads he's considerably older than the woman you know as his he went later in the in his career I don't know offhand the age difference between him and Loretta Young but it seems like pretty equal so like that's good too yeah I liked that that like she was like a married woman with a kid and he was in to her like and she wasn't flashy or anything she was just like a good person <laughs> yeah but that's what he was attracted to so and I it, just like all the stuff they did together basically what it was is like she fell for the fact that he gave her a te- like his full attention yeah like that's like a huge thing and I mean how many people even do that now yeah like give someone their full attention but you, gotta- you ask me while I was googling what year Loretta <laughs> <laughs> yes Hillary how many people do that <laughs> there's a nine-year age difference just so you know um <laughs> between Loretta Young and Cary Grant no I think that's a really I think that's like the enduring thing about this movie is that like that's still like for a lot of people that's the case. So many people don't get the full attention of a person. Like once you become an adult, you're like you don't and you don't have like a parent who is like who has to pay attention to you. Um, <laughs> theoretically, yeah. <laughs> theoretically, you know, I think so often like you know it's so easy to like not be fully present and fully aware of uh the people that you love yeah and I think this could easily translate to contemporary times that you know when you're going through something really tough at work or you have a lot of pressure on you at work and you it's like you can't kind of give loved ones your full attention like that's a really tough spot to be in Mm -hmm. you know I actually kind of felt bad for Henry yeah yeah because he was trying to move these things forward and he's probably under pressure from his superiors in the church too yeah yeah and I think I mean being a Catholic this is not as like known to me but isn't it true that in a lot of Protestant faiths like you could lose your position or be like transferred out of your position yeah oh my god I just realized (laughs) the whole time I was like oh he's a Catholic bishop but he's Married. Yeah, not he, he's not Catholic. He has a, he's married and has not that there have been no Catholic bishops who have been married right. and or had kids, but so is he Episcopalian? That yeah. That's the deal. Okay. Oh my gosh. 
I read that when I was doing the trivia, they never actually say that he's Episcopalian, but there are tells in the movie that that's what it is. That's what he is. Yeah. I mean, that's the only uh, like Protestant denomination that, that I know of that has bishops, but I don't know. Well, I mean, except for like, like more uh, like non-denominational, like black church situations. I mean, I, and I feel, I think that what, what you described is true and like, like Episcopalian things like if you if you don't follow the rules and you're out well I've heard that there's and I actually like this sounds appealing to me in some ways as a parishioner but like you know a new minister will have to almost like try out for a church and then yeah. like the church votes and then they could stay I'm like well that sounds very stressful for that person <laughs> but also it's nice that they have some say in like who comes so mm-hmm. um that's definitely true in like the Presbyterian church but anyway I think yes he he was probably under a lot of pressure and it might not have been that easy for him to just be like all right we're just not gonna do this cathedral because probably other people wanted that cathedral <laughs> oh yeah like somebody higher up and a lot of rich people probably were like, yes, I would like not, in, not enough, not enough rich people to actually say like, here's $50 million or however much it costs to make a, to build an Episcopalian cathedral. Yeah. In New York, in Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knows how much that would cost. Yeah. Then or now. Oh, I wanted to ask, did you like the boys choir? Yes, I did. I thought they were so good and I read that they actually appeared in like a bunch of movies at this time. Oh, well, that's good. Cause I, yeah, I thought they did a really nice job and it was like such a lovely scene of music. What was the other movie we saw that had like random music in it? <sighs> I mean, so many hell. Cause we, all the backdoor musicals. That's right. No, <laughs> no, but there was the one, I'm going to have to think about this. The movie. Well, oh no, it was, um, an affair to remember remember she like ended oh. up like teaching yes yes and there was some like random singing and yeah she was like sick in bed and for some reason like all the kids showed up in her bedroom and, sang. and then she was singing even though she i mean she didn't sing because she can't sing with somebody else like they there was a singing scene for no reason that they had a dub yeah, it fit much better into the plot of this movie to have, <laughs> to have an I actual actually, choir play the choir boys. Yeah, I liked that scene a lot. How Dudley, like, all of a sudden, all the boys just like show up, and he's like conducting the choir, but not actually conducting. He's like, "UK, you can come in. You can come yeah. in. You can come in." That's right. Should we write an alternate ending for this movie? <laughs> well, what do you propose is the alternate ending? Alternate ending is. Julia admits that she's in love with him, leaves the bishop, becomes an angel. Well, maybe Dudley becomes a okay. human. A human? Yeah, because we wouldn't want Debbie to like not have her mom. Yeah. So then they get Julia and Henry get divorced. Yeah. Because but he's it's a... amicable. Yeah, but it's amicable because we don't want any trauma. Yeah, and then they're together and they live like in the neighborhood near the professor and have a jolly time. <laughs> and that's, that's... I would read that fanfic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, by the way, what did you think of the professor character? 
when uh, Dudley was like, oh yeah, I saw you in Vienna. I, I had trouble trying to figure out if that was actually true or if he was just saying it to like, because he was like, I know that you were in Vienna and I'm just going to say it because you're like, kind of remember. Like, did he actually like help, go help him? I thought it was more just his way of getting past the like, how do you know who I am question. Yeah, it was just, he just made it up. Got it. But it almost sort of subtly seemed by the end that it brought the professor around to faith like he went to church on christmas yeah right and he had that he had a like an ugly little tree just like for nostalgia but like in the end he like yeah developed his faith yeah which i thought was interesting and also he was the only one out of all of them who seemed to at all have like any sort of vague memory of Dudley like there was just that moment at the end where he's kind of looking at him like he sort of thinks he remembered and I I don't know if that was because he was such an intellectual or what but um I thought that was interesting why why did Dudley keep like make his wine just just endlessly be filled up I was confused about that yeah it was like a weird blessing that he was giving professor of like I don't know, were we, did the professor not have a lot of money? And so he, Dudley was just like, oh, this is a nice thing I can do for you. You just have an, like, an unending source of sh- sherry or wine or whatever. Yeah, but that he was also saying like it didn't inebriate him at all. Oh. Somehow. So he like got the good parts of it without the like bad parts of it? I guess. Uh, yeah, that part was unclear to me. So predictions... Did they go on to have a resolved marriage and get along again? <laughs> um, I think so. Only because like the, he like comes in. Henry doesn't Henry come into the bed into Debbie's bedroom when uh, Julia's saying good night and saying like you know like oh I just love you or whatever like I just want to be be with you or just spend time with you or whatever. Um, so it seems like they're telegraphing that like their marriage is gonna be better. Yeah, and and now he doesn't have the cathedral to worry about. Yes, that's true. So, like, I guess his time was freed up, and it almost seemed weirdly like through Henry seeing how much Dudley envied him, and like, mm-hmm. you know, his kid, his wife, like his friendships and like relationships with people, then he valued them more. Yeah, which is sort of a weird message. Like, if people are jealous of you, you must have something good. But like. <laughs> but I guess it worked yeah is that the message that we should (laughs) what did you think of um the sermon oh that everybody has a stocking except for Jesus yeah well part of me wanted to hear the end of it because I was like okay this is a good setup I guess for a full sermon but like what what comes after this yeah and it well, I got very stuck on the fact that the aunt, like, had always wanted an orange squeezer. <laughs> like, that was such a weird example. <laughs> you give me a tie, I give you a book. Oh, I, like, I one of the things that I, like, noticed, which, like, I don't know, is that, like, when uh, Dudley wrote it, it says, you give me a tie, I give you a book. But when Henry said it, he said, I give you a tie, you give me a book. And I was like, wait a second. Why isn't it the same? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you have to think he's reading it for the first time too yeah and then that it's like extremely different from the original so maybe he just got it wrong yeah maybe 
it felt like a little bit to me like one of those like let's put the Christ back in Christmas yeah types of like you know the that sentiment of like everyone's forgetting about Jesus at Christmas time and um yes we would need to hear the rest of it yeah Yeah, exactly and I was like I I think people know but I don't think people have forgotten who are sitting in this church right now I know Um, you're preaching to the choir literally I actually just I passed like a a neighborhood lawn sign that was something like keep the Christ in Christmas or something and I was just like really really people like it's (laughs) but so anyway yeah I was less impressed by it and in the remake the premise is that the Christmas service is going to be televised oh so that like so Denzel Washington no Denzel Washington is the angel I forget who plays the preacher but anyway there's a real lot of pressure for the sermon to be excellent now I need to go back and rewatch that one yeah I'm like I want to watch it actually Vance plays the Henry Denzel Washington is like if you have to play the Cary Grant role like I think that's good casting to do it yes Oh, and they extremely gorgeous man mm-hmm. <laughs> and charming. They keep the ice skating scene in the remake too. I mean, not yes. all the like weird special effects, but you know, no, no, uh, no double wearing a mask. <laughs> no, not that I could see. <laughs> we all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Well, should we talk about social justice? Yeah. Did you think there was a? a- theme in the movie it seems like like saint timothy's kind of represents a i mean you kind of referred to this earlier of like saint timothy's being this like the church in the run down like less privileged part of town that like is like needs you know a lot of love and care and like it was for a long time at the heart of henry's ministry and then he got promoted and he forgot about it even though it was like so important to him he just didn't have time for it anymore I think to me that like speaks to some like sort of a nebulous like social justice yeah it wasn't super explicit like I it's not like the movie was really talking about like poverty or anything like that yeah but it did seem like St. Timothy's was more of a working class parish yeah and that was kind of what mattered to them and the neighborhood they lived in was like less fancy like it seemed like it was like a mix of like working class people and maybe like sort of bohemian Mm -hmm. types and that was you know who they got along with and had community with like in a way I mean I don't know if this is social justice but there were definitely themes of community trumping getting ahead kind of yes yeah Yes, 100%. Because even like early in the movie, when Julia is down in that neighborhood, the professor's like, oh, we never see you in this part of town anymore. It's like they just don't even make time for those friends anymore. Um, And I kind of liked that they had this strong friendship with the professor, even though he was an atheist and like obviously not a parish member. Yeah. They kind of respected each other. Yeah. But it it was weird that they didn't have stronger themes of social justice 
for the movie that it was. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I mean, there was the, like, also at the end when Mrs. Hamilton says, like, I'm going to give you this money and you do with it, like, and with no strings attached, like, you do with it, like, what you think is best. I think that, like, also was an element of, like, uh, social justice of, like, not some, like, philanthropist from the beginning of the movie where she's like, I'm going to give you, you know, however many millions of dollars. But there's like, it's so tied up in all these like specific strings so that like I'm forcing you to do something that you don't want to do that isn't actually helping you like achieve your mission. <laughs> like, yes, you're going to make a cathedral, but it, like, like it's going to look in a, a way that's not like, that's, that's not going to be what you want it to be. So instead she says, here's the millions of dollars. And like, I trust you to like use it in a way that like it needs to be used for like the most good yeah I mean as people who work in nonprofit, I feel like that's one of the biggest barriers to to people often people will give you money but it's so it's there's so many restrictions on it that it actually rather than it just like funding the work that you're doing you have yeah. to like change the work that you're doing to like match the strings of the funding which is so <laughs> Yeah. And then like waste time, like proving that you've like achieved the strings. (laughs) Yes. Show through reporting that you did the thing. Yeah. 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 It wasn't until after I had worked and I had one job where I was like more on the development side of things that I realized that like, if you want to give to charity, you should just always do unrestricted giving because it's like, that's what actually helps. Helps. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. So we think subtly pro-social justice. Subtly pro But not, not yeah. like, not a super strong message. I've been living my own life, making my own decisions for a long while now. It's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. What about Bechtel? I mean, there are several women characters, but I don't know how frequently they talk to each other. I mean, like... She talks to Matilda, but it's like, oh, we're going to have lunch or we're like, we're, we'll have, please keep the chicken warm or like, please take (laughs) Debbie home. That's not really a substantial, substantial conversation. Yeah. And I think she has, you know, some interaction with the wealthy older women too. Oh, right. But it's not really substantial. No. And then there's her daughter. Yeah. Which might be the interactions that come the closest to passing. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's interesting, at least in this movie, there are a number of women characters. Yeah. (laughs) You know, compared with some of the movies we watch where there's literally one woman, but... um, (laughs) Nobody to interact with. (laughs) Yeah. But it doesn't feel particularly Bechtel-y to me because even if they are talking about anything it's like they're talking about the husband's project or they're talking about Dudley yeah it's not very it's not substantial no and I also didn't you just think like the whole movie like she basically just needed like a girlfriend like she needed a friend yes she needed a friend (laughs) is what she needed like I think if she had a good friend that that probably could have replaced the whole interaction 
with Dudley of just like she has someone to talk to and to like listen to her and Mm -hmm. to do things with and it doesn't have to be her husband yeah she can have actual friends and not be so isolated yeah that is a very good point more female friendships totally yeah we need more female friendships on film we need to look for more movies that have that from this time period yeah I think that's a good goal for our sixth season (laughs) <laughs> I like it. So what rating would you give this episode or this movie? <laughs> this episode. I rate our episode. Five stars. Five stars. <laughs> We're amazing. Um I I mean I think I would still give this movie four four stars. Like I I mean you mentioned having watched it over and over again, and I definitely would watch it again. Um I think it was, I mean, like watching Karen Grant is like always a pleasure. As evidenced by this being our third movie in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think too, like if I watched it again, like what I think differently about different parts of it, maybe. And it isn't, you know, I'm glad to have another like Christmas movie in, in the rotation. So, yeah, I think I'm, I would give it like 3.75. Uh-huh. I have watched it many times. And, you know, it's a fun Christmas movie to watch too. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy, I mean, probably regular listeners know at this point, I enjoy romances where the people are not able to be together in the end. (laughs) So the fact that they sort of fall for each other, but he is an angel and she forgets about him. Like it's, it's tragic, but I also enjoy that. (laughs) It's on brand for you. Yeah. So I like that. And I mean, as I said earlier, it's like, peak Cary Grant yes peak Cary Grant he looks amazing he's super charming the whole time there's really not a lot to dislike about because some of my other favorite Cary Grant movies like he's great but there's certain things about his character that I don't like like in the Philadelphia story how he's like also violent yeah (laughs) just like stuff like that but like there's nothing to dislike about Dudley really in this so yeah so yes, 3.75. It does not get old upon rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, then I'm, I will officially be watching it every Christmas. Excellent. So what is our next movie, Hillary? Um, our next movie to kick off season six is Sunset Boulevard. That is a listener request. Yes. Woo-hoo. Yay. We look forward to it. May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow The Screen Sirens on Twitter, at The Screen Sirens. And leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.